So any of you can join the summer choir, right? Any of you can join the summer choir. Uh, we, we actually, um, on Thursday night, it was, it was a whole lot of fun. Kirby and Aubrey and I were sitting up in, in the choir loft, uh, kind of, it was, it was like the blind leading the blind or, or something like that, but we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So, so singing is fun. Even if you don't have any experience singing, singing is fun. And you should join us, Dave Philberg, one of these days. You should, you should join us. Come, come and join us and sing with us. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. It's a great, great group of people. They're not threatening at all. They don't say, shh. They don't turn around and say, you're really, you're off key. They're wonderful. Ed gets the best out of, out of all of us, so uh, join us one of these Sundays. Uh, last Sunday, we launched into our, our summer sermon series uh, through the book of James, and I, and I share that, that James is a book of the Bible that sometimes gets a really, a really bad rap, and, and, and it's kind of often seen as being harsh, and I, I don't really think that is fair. I, I see James as somebody who, who cared deeply about the church. He cared deeply about the church, and, and he thought that it had gotten off track. So the, the letter, it's not addressed to one specific church. It's, it's addressed to Christians everywhere. And, and, and what he's trying to say is, is look, we've gotten off track. We, we, need, we need to get back on track. We need to get back to what Jesus taught about. I, I shared this quote last week from Eugene Peterson and said that there is no such thing as the perfect church. That was true when James wrote, and that's, that's true today. Can I get an amen? It's, it's, it's true. As Jesus' brother, his goal was to bring followers of Christ back to living out what Jesus asked them to live out. So they said they believed this, and James is saying, well, you're saying you believe that. Now start acting it out. Show us. Show, not just show us. Show the world. Show the world by living this way. Uh, growing up, I'm guessing that many of us heard something along the lines that actions speak louder than actions speak louder than words. And, and that's what this is about. As a young boy, I could tell other people that, that I loved my sister. I could say it over and over again. But when I lashed out at her, or I made fun at her, or I laughed at her, I showed something else. I could say that I loved and respected my parents. But the moment I went against them, my actions proved otherwise. James is an important, important letter for the church today. Because we need to be reminded that growing in faith, growing in faith is connected to how we celebrate and worship and how we serve others, how we live, how we live. We need to be reminded that what we really believe is best seen and experienced by others through our actions. Last week, we looked at the first four verses of the letter where, where James writes that God is, is working at all times through all seasons, even when we can't see it, even when, when it doesn't feel that way, that God is always at work. Today, we're going to be reading a, a longer section of Scripture, and you can follow along up on the screen, or you can pull out those things in front of you. They're called pew Bibles. They're, they're, they're actually books that are in front of you, or you can pull out your app and follow along, uh, James 1, 5 through 18. Um, and I, 
I, I've gotten away from saying this, but you can always bring your Bible from home if, if you want to jot notes down and, and follow along. So we're, we're reading a longer passage of Scripture today, and, and as, uh, as I kind of jump around, it might be helpful it might be helpful to have, not all the words are going to be on the screen, so it might be helpful to have a Bible to, to kind of uh, look at as we jump back and forth. They will be up there as we start. So as we begin at, at verse 5, we read this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave at the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the planet, blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even when they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has con conceived, it, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the, the more painful parts of parenting, at least for me, is allowing my kids to learn from their mistakes. I don't think any parent really enjoys watching their own child hurt. We can say something, though, as parents over and over and over again, but that lesson doesn't quite sink in until that child experiences the consequence that comes with what we've said. Something along the lines of, don't touch that pan, it's hot. We can say it over and over again, but the child's not going to really learn it until they learn that the pan's hot. If you don't floss your teeth, it's going to hurt when you go to the dentist. You need to go to the bathroom before we get in the car. Or it's going to be an uncomfortable ride. All, all things I have said over and over again, and all things that have had to be learned. Somewhere along, somewhere along the way, Haley and I heard a, a mantra or a phrase that, that we've tried to use in our parenting, and, and that's that our job is to prepare our kids for the road, not pave the road for our kids. Of course we want to protect them. No reasonable parent would let their kid run into the street to teach them a lesson. But wisdom is often caught and not taught. It's something that is gained and learned through experience. 
So James begins this, this section, this long section that we just read by reiterating what we talked about this last week. That maturity comes as we persevere through trials. Now, I'm, I'm sure that we can all think of times in our own lives that, that we have faced a trial or a test of some sort. A health trial. A relationship trial. Losing a loved one. Something involving a job or something that, that, that impacts our, our future or where we're going next. I, I mentioned last week that James, in this letter, he leans on, on two sources very heavily. One is Proverbs. So when we're reading this and there's this kind of poetic language, a lot of that comes from the first nine chapters or so of Proverbs. But the second piece that he leans on heavily is the, the Sermon on the Mount. And we hear that in verse 5. It's essentially ask for wisdom in the midst of the trials and it will be given to you. Ask, seek, knock. We, we hear that in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and James is echoing it here. He's inviting his readers and us to tap into what, what Paul refers to in, in 1 Corinthians as wisdom that is beyond human understanding, beyond something that we, we grasp through experience. Sometimes we can only really persevere with, with that type of, of wisdom. Now, we don't have a, a whole lot of time to, to talk through or unpack the reward that, that James talks about here when we, we persevere through those trials. He, he refers to it as, as the crown of life, this reward that is given as you persevere. It, it's the, the same one that's promised, the same reward that's promised to a, a suffering church in Smyrna, um, Smyrna, excuse me, in the book of Revelation. And Eugene Peterson, he translates this verse 12 as anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is, is mighty fortunate. For such persons, loyally in love with God. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. So if we want to think of what is that that crown of life, it's life and more life. It's life abundantly, life to the fullest. James' whole reason for mentioning that reward is to encourage those who are suffering. Encourage those who are going through trials or who are, are under stress to find the strength to make the right choices in the midst of those trials, in the midst of that stress, in spite of circumstance. Now, when I first arrived here at Westminster uh, years ago, there was a, a line in our mission statement at the time that, that caught me off guard. It caught me off guard. The mission statement was, some of you might remember it, a gathering place filled with Christ's love, helping people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. How many of you remember that mission statement? We had it for a long time. When I got here, I, I was kind of struck by this phrase, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean to be a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? How, how does that, that look? And it, and it struck me, and, and I said, I don't know. What, what, what is, that's, that's a heavy, a heavy phrase. What, what does that look like? 
And it hit me while I was preparing the sermon that I think James answers that question. I think James answers how it looks to be fully devoted to Jesus. It's, it's someone who has stood through tests, who's asked for God's wisdom in each and every one of the tests that they're faced in life, and who has persevered, clinging to Jesus as Lord through it all. It's a person whose faith isn't swayed or dictated by what's happening in their lives or what's, what's happening in the rest of the world. He is trying to say that even when everything is spiraling or falling apart, it's worth it to live in a way where your faith is clearly evident to the rest of the world. And if we look down at, at verses 13 through 15, he shares what happens when we face those trials and we give in. And y'all, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a, 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 pretty, a pretty picture at all. He, he talks about temptation. And temptation giving way to, to sin. And sin ultimately giving, giving way to death. But that doesn't mean... Just because God, so God, he also says that God can't be the one who delivers evil because it's not in God's nature to tempt us. But that doesn't mean that, that evil doesn't exist. That doesn't mean that temptation doesn't exist. Or that temptation and evil doesn't have a strong pull on our lives. James is essentially saying what, what we read in 1 Peter 1.16 where, where Peter's quoting Leviticus and he says, Be holy for the Lord your God is holy. When I look at these kind of two contrasting ways to approach the trials in our lives, I can't help but think of Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled, which is based on Robert Frost's poem. I had to read it in Psych 101 in college. Anybody else have to read that book in college? The book it includes all kinds of different lessons about delayed gratification, about accepting responsibility, about, about loving others. But if I remember correctly, there's also quite a bit about living a disciplined life, about choosing the more difficult road through trials. James reminds us that God gives us good, good gifts, that God gives us wisdom, and, and we can either lean on that wisdom and lean on those good gifts, or we can choose another path. We can either receive those good gifts or not. When Haley and I uh, were choosing the stores for our wedding registry years ago, we were young, we didn't really have anything in our, in our home, so naturally she was drawn to the practical places. Crate and barrel, Bed, Bath & Beyond, and I wanted to go get registered at REI. <laughs> practical stuff. We, we needed practical stuff. And I, I can't remember exactly which store it was, but we, we, we registered for Fine China somewhere, and, and for the last 18 years, that China has sat in a closet or in a cabinet next to our dining table. At least it's got closer. It got closer to our, our, our dining table. Every once in a while, Ella will ask if we can use a, a teacup for, for a fancy tea party or something like that. 
But I don't think I have ever actually had a meal on one of those plates. Anyone else have fine china sitting somewhere that they never, ever use? Should have registered at REI. You use that stuff. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've got these beautiful place settings, mostly that were, were gifts from, from grandparents, from great uncles and, and, and great aunts, just sitting there, waiting to be used. When James writes about the good gifts that God gives, he reminds us to actually tap into them, to actually use them as we journey through our trials. Not to, to put them in a cabinet and, and never pull them out. So this week, and you can hold me accountable, you can ask me next Sunday, this week I am going to eat a meal on that china. You can ask me next week, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. God gives us wisdom and every good gift we need. Do we use them? Do we use them? James starts this section of scripture that we read this morning by, by mentioning the rich and those who are, are down and out people who look at gifts differently, who might even have different definitions of wisdom. Then he gives a, a warning about the, the two paths that we can take when we, we face trials, one that leads to maturity and one that leads to death. And he summarizes all of that in the last three verses, in verses 16 through 18. He says, you know, the, the temptation is to give in, to be deceived, to be, to be thrown off course. It's the, the image that we see before Jesus begins his, his public ministry, right? Where he's, he's led into the wilderness and he's tempted. He's fasting and the devil tempts him to turn a rock into bread. He, he's shown the world and, and the devil tempts him with, with power if only he will turn and worship him. He's shown all of Jerusalem and, and, and the devil tempts him to prove that God will save him if he throws himself from the highest building. All three of the tests could have thrown him off before he even began his journey. But he leans into those good gifts from his father. Matthew writes that Jesus is attended to by angels after he goes through the temptation, after he faces the trials. It's the picture of an endearing father taking care of the needs of his son. And I know we could all say, well, I know, Dave, but that's Jesus. That's Jesus. What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? Our trials might be not so not as blatant, our, our titles might not be as drastic, but we're tempted daily. Tempted to give in, tempted to give up. And, and James reminds us to, to stay the course, to not be deceived. And we can do that by receiving and actually tapping into using those good gifts. In verses 17 and 18, James contrasts deception with all the things that come from God. In those two verses, 
He uses words like good, perfect, above, light, birth, first fruits. Words associated with abundant life as opposed to deception and death. From the beginning of Scripture... From the creation accounts in Genesis to to the end in Revelation 22 with John's vision of the new Jerusalem, God is seen as the father or the creator of light. And here James is saying, the father of light, the creator of light is giving you those gifts. Use them. It's in God's nature to lavish his creation, to lavish us with grace to give us what we need, even when we don't deserve it. But as James reminds us, we have a responsibility to use those gifts. They can't be like wedding china that sits in a cabinet. We need to use them. In verse 18, we're told that God gave birth to us, to the church, so that we might be the first fruits of all that he created. Most of James's audience, uh, they, they were, were Jewish Christians. They understood the concept of tithing that was according to Levitical law. Uh, it, it was a vital part of God's covenant with God's people. God desired the best for them and in turn asked them to bring their best to God. The best of their herds, the best of their crops, as a reminder that everything they have is God's. But it was also a way for God's people to partner, to partner with God in sharing God's gifts. It was a way and is a way for God's grace to be known throughout the world. For James, it's, it's not enough to merely escape a trial without pain. That's not what the Christian life is about. And though we might be tempted to think that way, God is working through those difficult trials, those difficult, painful trials to help us become mature, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's the good gift. And as we receive that gift, we have a responsibility to share it with others. James, he starts this letter in a, in a rather odd way. We, we talked about it last week. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials. I, I said that most of us don't shout with glee when a trial comes our way. We don't say, yay, this is going to be really hard. We don't. But even the trials of the worst kinds can produce joy when we grasp that God is doing something in us and through us as we journey. Let's pray. Loving God, may we cling to your wisdom and may we accept your good gifts with open arms. Help us to use the gifts we've been given so that the world around us might experience your grace. We pray these things in your name. Amen.